0: hello everyone and welcome back to morgan hasn't seen we are now officially into our star trek series janine we're not at the beginning we're nowhere near the end but we're certainly into the star trek series we both now annoying.
1: we're no podcaster
0: it's gone before well maybe
1: they have but
0: boldly going where several well morgan
1: has never gone before
0: that is more accurate boldly going where i have never gone before and janine i'm just excited because we have the opening narration yeah space (laughs) because (laughs) space the final frontier Uh here are the ongoing voyages of the starship Starship Enterprise. enterprise And her no, it's not that, is it? It, Here are the voyages of Starship Enterprise, her ongoing mission to discover new life, whatever, whatever, Leonard Nimoy. (laughs) We finally we get it, we get it. We didn't have it in Star Trek: The Motion Picture, Janine. We did have it in Wrath of Khan, but we didn't talk about Wrath of Khan last week because there was a whole situation. There's already been an episode of Morgan hasn't seen on the Wrath of Khan. Go and listen to that if you want strict continuity. It was ages ago. But we're finally back to a Star Trek movie. Two Star Trek movies that we're talking about today. We are talking about Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, and Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Star Trek Three certainly feels very Star Trek. Star yes. Trek IV feels not at all star trek but kind <laughs> of weird and unique and i kind of like it for doing yeah it's that kind of a different.
1: departure um but yeah like after wrath of Khan, we're definitely feeling more cinematic after yes. the first film definitely feeling more cinematic um like i had talked a little bit about on the last episode where it's a great marriage between um you know the the contained feeling the kind of intimate feeling of the show Um, with the kind of grand, big, bold, adventurous feeling of a movie. So we get kind of the TV meeting, the cinema aspects, and and really feeling more like a big screen, you know, event.
0: Yes, and of course, The Search for Spock, which we are going to talk about first, obviously, being the third movie, um, very directly follows on from Wrath of Khan. It is a real continuity there, and he's not simply treated as you know oh another episode in this movie you know in the star trek movies it's not just treated as here are the star trek crew on another adventure it is fully fully serialized
1: yes which is
0: um, nice it's it's not what you get from star trek the motion picture to wrath of khan it it kind of it's totally kind of
1: a smooth kind of continuation um and yeah, like fans, you know, fans are fickle as hell. Um, that is you true. You know, today's film, if you keep a longstanding character alive, then, you know, there are no stakes and, and you're not taking risks and, you know, you're just being predictable and boring. But when people killed Spock, the fans were pissed. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Leonard Nimoy you know, he enjoyed his experience so much in Wrath of Khan that he um, said he wanted their, them to write some kind of opening so that if he felt the desire to come back, he could come back. And so that was kind of the idea going into this, obviously, with the title. Um, yes. So, uh, yeah, they kind of had to set it up <laughs> uh, so that he had that opening. Um So I don't know if that kind of pulls any stakes away if people people really kind of knew that that was a thing. So I don't know if that pulled some of the stakes away from his death and his sacrifice in Wrath of Khan. Um, But I think the way they chose to bring him back was a really kind of smart thing that felt uh, right for the story that they've been telling us up to this point. So I liked liked the way they brought him back. It didn't feel very like MacGuffin-ish or, you know, just like, (laughs) you know, some easy thing no which, and which look- does happen in the J.J. Abrams movies which pisses a lot of people off we'll ah, that, okay. there is a thing in there that's very macguffin that's like oh easy fix to you know fix the situation um so I like that they didn't do that here and there was kind of a a point to it and something that was already previously established so it made sense with what we knew up to that point
0: yeah, and look, I think it's also important to note that Leonard Nimoy directed the Search yes. for Spock, so he was going to be involved no matter what. I don't <laughs> think you could tear you couldn't tear Leonard Nimoy away from Star Trek if you wanted to.
1: Ooh. Yeah,
0: it's he, he's too ingrained in it. It means too much for him. But I don't think the ending of Wrath of Khan and Spock's sacrifice and death at the end of Wrath of Khan is affected by simply knowing that he's in later movies. Because when I watched the Wrath of Khan for the first time, I knew he was in later movies. It doesn't make it any less impactful. Yeah. Because I kind of viewed that movie as a story of its own. And I I, I tend to do that anyway. I think movies should be good on their own if they're in a franchise if they're in a series yes they need to have a shred of continuity or at least for the most part need to have a shred of continuity but they've got to still make sense on their own yeah. which is simply why i think something like avengers endgame is a fantastic part of a franchise and a pretty dreadful singular movie yeah because you movie. would not have a scooby doo chance in hell what was going on, yeah if you hadn't watched most of the rest of the movies,
1: yeah
0: so you That's know what you know point. what i mean it's a mm-hmm. it's a great part it's a phenomenal part of that franchise. It's a terrible singular movie, and I think the Star Trek movies, what the Star Trek movies have done, certainly so far for me, is all been good on their own as well as now we feel certainly with this following on from wrath of khan good together as well
1: yeah and we do even get a little recap at the beginning of what happened we do end, you
0: know we do i do know though that before we get into the main discussion of today's episode janine we do of course have to say a wonderful thank you to all our patrons of it's a wonderful podcast the delightful people that they are, because every week on an episode of one of the shows here on the podcast feed, we give them a shout out. Thank you. It is the least they deserve. If you would like to become a Patreon, a patron, go to patreon.com slash it's a wonderful one, or just type it's a wonderful podcast into Patreon. Find the tier that is right for you. Poll voting, artwork, live streams, fun videos, and everybody gets a shout out as well, as well as more things there on the patreon for you to go and enjoy if you are feeling so inclined janine would you like to start us off with thank youing
1: yes <laughs> a huge thank you to adam witt
0: thank you to michael smith
1: thank you maxwell haddad
0: thank you amber Coates.
1: thank you abby for you
0: thank you Faraz muthana
1: Thank you, 90s Comics Box, my big brother, Justin.
0: Thank you to Video Drew.
1: Thank you, Adelaide.
0: Thank you, Tina Farrow.
1: Thank you, Marcus Burton.
0: Thank you to Movie for no Steve.
1: Thank you, Samir Tesfai.
0: Thank you, Patrick Harden.
1: Thank you, John Mariano.
0: Thank you, Carla Fies.
1: Thank you, Delisha Butler.
0: Thank you to Gigi.
1: Thank you to the great Ken Knapsack.
0: Thank you to Tom and Kimber of the Odd Shape Channel.
1: And thank you to Billy Pollahan.
0: Billy Pollahan, a sizable Star Trek fan himself, Janine. It must be said. It must be said. But we are talking... Let let us continue talking about (laughs) Star Trek 3, The Search for Spock. Fortunately, it is not Star Trek 3, The Search for Spock. And... (laughs) is just a really boring movie about William Shatner trying to find a unique eating utensil.
1: Oh, I think we got that in uh, Toy Story 4, so...
0: <laughs> oh, that's true. Never saw Toy Story 4. Couldn't care less after the third one about seeing another one, so bye-bye, Toy Story 4.
1: Hey, it, it was actually a solid story for Woody. I would I'd give it
0: a chance. <laughs> the, 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 the trilogy of Toy Story movies... Came to a logical conclusion.
1: <clears throat> this is Woody's story. So Woody gets a moment. So I think, you know, just just to digress a little bit.
0: <laughs> right. Well, yes, fair enough. Anyway, the search <laughs> for Spock, Janine. Are you a fan of this movie? Yes. Um,
1: I like the continuation of a really great Star Trek movie. So we're kind of just jumping right uh, in where we left off um you know we have a kind of a fun cartoonish villain so that feels very yeah. much of the essence of kind of the show I feel like um and you know I, I love that uh our crew actually has kind of moments each so- person gets a kind of moment to do you know a little bit of something when they have kind of this whole mission to get um Bones back uh so I love that. I, I love those scenes. Um, yeah. Cause that was kind of my gripe with the earlier films in this uh, franchise that, you know, the crew is such a big part of this series and them working together and, and, and their relationship and bond and everything to the point where, you know, Kirk will rearrange everything just to get his specific crew every time, you know, he goes out on the enterprise. So to, kind of see them sidelined and not get a lot to do was kind of a bummer so I love that at least in this film everybody had like a little moment to shine and do something fun
0: and have a little fun character moment
1: um so yeah a lot of fun in this one
0: yeah, I I would completely agree with that. I was led to believe, to be perfectly honest with Janine that the search for Spock was not a great Star Trek movie. And I couldn't feel more opposite to yeah,
1: that. People it, to people because. kind of do people kind of do the James Bond, you know, every other movie is bad type kind of ranking system. Um but no, I think 3 is a fun movie, it's a serviceable movie, it's a great continuation I think for, you know, you know, Wrath of Khan, which is said to be kind of the best. It's always kind of the top of the list for people. Um but I think it's a great continuation of the story. Um there's a lot there. And you know it still kind of keeps up those emotional uh beats and 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 stakes as well. So Absolutely. You, know, you get a little bit of everything,
0: I think, with uh, this movie. And you do I would agree with that fact also in that it is definitely the most fun of the first three Mm -hmm. in terms of just feeling like all out entertainment because look, the story of this is after Wrath of Khan, you know, they've sorted out the Genesis situation. They go back to Starfleet on earth and the enterprise gets decommissioned. It's like, Oh, we're not using the enterprise anymore. It's too old. It's too old, we've got new things, everybody goes off and does their own thing. And at this point, they're all like,
1: oh, no, we can't
0: no. break up the team. Yeah. But the team's so good, it's been so good for so long. So basically, the first part of the movie is them all having this Enterprise heist, where they're just <laughs> kind of like, oh, we've got to steal back the Enterprise, come <laughs> on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Which is and really it's really fun. fun. It's yeah. really fun. All the while, in the background, you've got, perfectly hamming it up to the maximum christopher lloyd <laughs> yes. as the klingon captain who, who i forget the name of now
1: Is it he was like just scourge or Kurge or
0: he was <laughs> it might be kurg kurg or someone like that <laughs> he was just christopher lloyd yes. the klingon captain And oh my God, is he fully taking full advantage of playing this kind of villain. He's barking every single line, whether it's in Klingon or in English. He is absolutely going full throttle with it. I love Christopher Lloyd in this. I can understand why people would think it's over silly and cartoonish, but I think it fits... Krug. Commander Cruz. <laughs> I think it fits super well. I mean, I really think it fits this movie super well. And I, because I think this movie, while tonally story-wise, it no not tonally, sorry, why story-wise and kind of thematic-wise, it takes itself just as seriously of Wrath as Wrath of Khan did, mm-hmm. in terms of being a really impactful personal emotional story about yeah. searching for a friend who we believe to have died yeah who we get who we get some sort of weird mystic, mystical kind of how the hell it, could this it's even just, be possible yeah. is, is it? again it's a star trek movie about rebirth <laughs> for god's sake yes and...
1: because spock dies and they you know shot his body out into space like his you know Capsule that his body was yeah. in, and it landed on the planet that they used for their Genesis tests. Yeah. Uh, so that kind of causes, you know, this rebirth of of Spock
0: in in, in a yeah, crazy way. This this kind of rapid aging of Spock. You see, like Spock all throughout these random years, each with a different person playing Spock at all times. And, you know, but, you know who else
1: we get playing Spock. <laughs>
0: I do know who else we get playing Spock. What do you mean, like in what, like, what are you trying? The obvious one, or or is is there somebody weird who plays one of the versions of Spock?
1: No, we see that his life force has been put into bones. So now that's true. Yes, yes, of course. It is DeForest Kelly's job now to kind of play a little bit and have this kind of little life swap,
0: kind of fun
1: acting situations where he's kind of, you know playing Leonard Nimoy.
0: yeah I <laughs> I really did like it in the sense that it's kind of a lot about spirituality at, at times and the, and the soul moving on and the soul being what holds the 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 being together as it were yeah. rather mm-hmm. than the physical body It's a really interesting idea that you don't seem to come across a great deal in Star Trek. I know last week we talked about how, you know, religion and and deities were were something that Gene Roddenberry avoided, you know, with any real purpose because he he wasn't a fan of it.
1: Yeah, he always kind of harkens those kinds of beliefs back to like a human human point and uh, a tangible
0: man-made kind of situation. But I love the fact that this movie is a lot about the soul being vital. And that, you know, that's what survives of Spock in yeah. bones because mm-hmm. of this weird kind of mishmash of Genesis energy, I guess. <laughs> which what which is what kind of happens. Well, it's
1: a Vulcan, it's a Vulcan thing that he can. He you know is able to touch somebody And put his kind of life force Into them
0: okay So
1: before so you know As you know Spock's father Is telling Kirk this he's like why did You jettison his body out to space like You were supposed to bring his body back into Vulcan yeah this and his spirit Is in somebody else where is It and so they kind of have to figure out Where who he put the spirit In so uh, Kirk is Watching old footage and he sees just before He sacrificed himself in that that radiation that's right he put his you know his his life force into into bones
0: that is right but yeah i like i do like deforest kelly in this i mean deforest we talked about him last week being always great at playing grumpy crotchety kind (laughs) of an asshole bones
1: yeah
0: but he is he, he, he seems to have more or he's allowed to do more different things in this movie simply because his character goes on a a little bit more of a journey than we're used to seeing from bones Yeah. to be honest bones is usually kind of a fixed character who always kind of does the same stuff, but does it really well Yeah. (laughs) in this, he does genuinely get quite an arc to him. And and it's, it's nice to see DeForest Kelly do that. But what I was saying before about the, the kind of tone and and thematically and story-wise, it takes itself very seriously. Tonally, It is kind of silly at times. It embraces its goofiness at times, I think, the search for Spock. The final, like, climactic thing that happens in this movie when (laughs) Christopher (laughs) Lloyd the Klingon is defeated by Kirk is the most stupid thing I've ever seen in my entire life. He
1: kicks him in the face. I have had
0: enough of you. And just
1: kicking him repeatedly in the face into a pit of lava. Yes.
0: It's perfect, it's brilliant. (laughs) I love that so much. I was genuinely more entertained by this movie than any of the four we've watched so far. And I mean pure entertained. I do not think it's as good as The Wrath of Khan in terms of a made movie. Yeah. But absolute entertainment value. I think the search for spot nails it. I really, really do. And because it's also interested in being this story about finding someone you thought was lost. It's yeah. got a mystery to it as well. Yeah, you know, like the like Star Trek the motion picture, like the first one. There's a mystery element, but it's not like this weird, vague, abstract, unfocused mystery. It's a very focused. What's happening with Spock? Is Spock alive? Is Spock's soul alive? What's happening? Why is Bones acting weird? Why is Bones hanging out in Spock's old bedroom? Yeah, what's going on? That's a really kind of terrifying scene.
1: Yeah, when Kirk
0: goes down to Spock's old quarters and it's dark, and then the light just dimly comes on, and it's you hear, you know, Leonard Nimoy's voice. You hear Spock's voice, but then Bones comes out He's there, yeah. wide-eyed and crazy-looking.
1: Yeah,
0: and Kirk's terrified at that. It, it's great, but I do like it as well because of what you said. It gives the supporting crew each their and like
1: stuff to do things like some great to do. character moments yeah um also with the kind of scene of um savik and uh uh Kirkson, i can't remember what his name is um
0: what is his name dave let's call him Dave. david is he i think his name is david actually i don't <laughs> know Kirkson, <laughs> young kirk
1: who looks very of the 70s
0: um <laughs> you do. Well, i mean it's the 80s this though isn't it now
1: oh, yeah yeah but he looks
0: <laughs> he does look quite sad <laughs> i saw so, i saw
1: there. something that like compared him to like a reject from a um blue lagoon audition
0: <laughs> 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 oh that's kind of accurate i like that yes, he's called um, da- he's called
1: david he's david, called david. yes so yes 80s sorry um but, yeah, when they're exploring the planet and they want to go down there, you know, they're on this other ship, uh, the Grissom, I believe. And yes. you just get to see another kind of shitty captaining style Yeah, <laughs> that really makes you appreciate the risks that Kirk takes and, you know, the thought that goes into his decision making. Um, you know, you don't really think about it. You just see him kind of in action and and he's really the only captain we focus on um you know we talked a lot about uh, in the first film how we appreciated how he you know will take the hits and he'll admit mistakes and he's not arrogant um to the detriment of of the rest of you know his crew you know no. he, he definitely he definitely takes on the needs of the many you know are are yes. you know more important um so we see this other crappy captain of the Grissom, like, really, oh, we, we need to inspire the book. Uh, are you sure you guys want to uh, go down there? Uh, and like yeah. Savick and David are like, we're explorers. We are in Starfleet to pursue knowledge and educate ourselves and see what else is out there. This is a planet that was, you know, kind of formed out of, you know, David's experiment, the Genesis whole yeah. thing. And there's life forms now showing up there. We yeah. want to figure out and see what is going on here. And this captain is just like a big chicken shit about it. So yes, I liked that like that moment as well, well, where we get to see how different captains kind of act, and, and it makes you appreciate Kirk more because he makes those bold decisions.
0: Absolutely, boldly going get where going. no one has gone <laughs> <Yeah>. before. Exactly. <laughs> um, it's more. It's even more impactful for me having actually never come across. A Starfleet captain, other than Kirk,
1: yeah. really.
0: I mean, the, I forget. I always forget. Pike is it Christopher Pike? Yeah. Is his name the guy from the very first like pilot of Star Trek: The Original Series, which
1: he comes back in the JJ Abrams films? So oh,
0: okay, yeah But like, Bruce I'm familiar. Ringling. I'm familiar with him, but he's literally in a pilot yeah. of that original series, and I've never watched any. Anything of Picard or any of oh, wow. you know, Star Trek Voyager or Deep Space Nine or any of these other shows, never seen, a, yeah. never seen a shred of them. So I am literally familiar with James Kirk as a Starfleet captain.
1: Wow. So okay. when
0: I do come across somebody else like this, it, it it doubly makes it more, you know, kind of impressive to me how competent Kirk is as a captain and how really kind of great he is to his entire crew but also to his missions you know he doesn't hold back in the slightest I like that I did you know Savik and David need to go and explore this because that is their nature that is their purpose
1: purpose as Starfleet members and so the fact that like this captain is really hesitant and scared and, and you know wanting to do everything by the book and he's not willing to kind of see the situation in front of him and analyze it you know the circumstances of it and he yeah. just wants to do everything kind of the same way for every situation it really makes you appreciate you know what kirk does as a captain so i liked that you know and and maybe people didn't think about it that way but i like that they threw something like that in there to kind of get me to kind of see and appreciate kirk more and no, absolutely and i i
0: i completely do agree with that because you know i i'm i'm very interested in in that whole exploration of the Genesis planet itself. Whenever we kind of cut back down to Sarvik and David, and they're just kind of pottering around the place, going, "Oh, what's going on here?" And then they obviously find a child, yeah, with Vulcan ears—not elf ears. It's not Lord of the Rings, but they're the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And they just think, "What's this? Who's this? There's a there's a life force here. It's it's." fascinating to me because this is a totally new planet in itself that they've actually got a personal connection to because it was actually david who kind of came up with the genesis thing
1: yeah him and his mom and um what they're wondering is why are things moving and growing so quickly? Um, And it's because, you know, going back to rebirth and, and man playing God, which we talked a lot about in the first movie episode, um, David, he wanted to get this, you know, project to work. So he used something called proto matter that, fixed a lot of his problems but also makes things just you know evolve way quicker than they normally would so like they had put some worms on the planet to test and there were already like these fully grown huge slugs and even I like that even later when we get when Crooge gets there to Genesis by the time he gets there later in the movie these little worms that turn into these giant slugs are now like these big snake monsters that we actually see him like fight with one yeah so it's just showing how quickly so i like that they you know had kind of little things there to show you how quickly things evolve and,
0: and so because... even the,
1: the spot character is evolving and growing very quickly
0: yes um, so the, the new planet Spock child doesn't grow.
1: yes yes so the planet itself is evolving very quickly to where to the point where it's just going to like overtake itself so yeah. and it's because david was playing god and used proto matter to make things kind of to fix gaps and problems he had but it also was just making the planet very unstable it's obviously a very
0: dangerous thing it's it's the you know what we consider genesis to be in the wrath of Khan is very this kind of really potentially incredibly dangerous thing
1: yes and it gives us this kind of time crunch situation adding to kind of the intensity of, of what's happening in the story as well
0: our the continuation of genesis i think really Helps this movie succeed an awful lot. Yeah, it really does. It it gives it just the continuity that I think it just it was begging for really from the first movie to the second movie. The first movie you just felt is 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 very much of it on its own kind of thing. Like you don't you don't even need to watch it. You you could go straight into from the original series, watch Wrath of Khan through. Yeah, and it wouldn't make a lick of difference but you couldn't miss out on you know if you're watching the rest of them you couldn't miss out story wise you couldn't watch the motion picture and then watch search for spock or then watch even the voyage home because there's a there's hints of genesis that even trickle into I, the voyage yeah, home exactly but and... certainly it's very prevalent in in search for spock and like i said i i love this movie i really really liked this movie for its continued kind of story emotional story and personal story of the friendship of particularly Kirk and Spock but obviously the the, cr- the entire yeah. crew and Spock as well and
1: like you kind of talked about the fun of them what they the lengths they go to to stay together with yes the they love
0: each other deeply
1: yes that they are willing to kind of go through all these hijinks and break all these laws and all of these things in order to stay together and um, and in order to go back for Spock so, you know, they've established how strong this friendship is in in Wrath of Khan so well. And so going into this movie, you're kind of taking all that emotion in. And so it makes sense to you why they would go to these lengths to stay together and to, and to go back for Spock. And so that's why I kind of love that moment at the end when, you know, that line is, is turned around. When it started out, you know, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. And then when Spock asks, you guys would come back for me? Like, why? And he says, because the needs of the one outweigh the needs of the many. So, yeah. you know, the switch because, and, and, and it doesn't come off selfish. It comes off no. as a noble thing that you're going to support somebody like that and, and go back for your friend because you care about them and and, and
0: you want, you know, the best for them. So whether, uh, whether Spock thinks that's the logical thing to do or not, it's what they did, Spock, so stop moaning about it
1: yes and and you know he's just getting his so they do the whole ceremony to get his coptra his life force back into his body from bones and and he's kind of b- barely kind of remembering things like oh jim that's what i called you right and you know and, and and recalling lines that they've said you know that that wonderful line which i can never quote it properly about you know you have and always will be my friend you know yes and when he kind of looks at everybody and then when he has that recognition and they're all just like very like excited and like yeah you're back and like yeah. that's just such a feel-good wonderful moment so it is
0: little tear comes in your eye that's <laughs> yeah. the whole purpose of this movie is yeah. this it, and look admittedly the movie is directed by Leonard dimoy like i said and the movie is is basically an entire movie dedicated to everybody loves spock yeah and they will and... do anything for spock and that It seems so obvious that Lennon Demoy would make this movie because, for God's sake, the man loved Spock. Yes,
1: Um, and and it was really smart storytelling in the way of, you know, a a director, actor type situation to have him in the movie but not have him in the movie so that he could be behind the camera. That you have this Spock who regenerates as a child, then uh, like a, a young man, and then, you know then finally back to his adult form at the end because, you know, he needs to direct. So the fact that, you know, he could be in the story yeah, you know, leaving Leonard Nimoy free to direct this film yeah. uh, was a really kind of a smart thing to do. Um, so yeah just great emotional character moments. Loved, you know, loved Sulu having his little action moment where you know, yes. that guard is yes. calling him tiny and stands up to him and then you see Sulu in action, which you know which seeing it now again is reminding me of another great thing that the j.j abrams movie did they have kind of like this disarming moment with sulu that's really fun which i can okay. a call back to to his character here so um really just love everyone had their little moments in the little heist and and, and just love seeing how how important it was for them to stay together um and and uh how important it was for them to come back for spock like you you felt the emotion you care about these characters you see how much they care about each other funny just kind of silly cartoonish things with your villain definitely not a a con but just a lot of fun and you can tell christopher lloyd is having fun um a great continuation of the story just I don't know why people say this one is, like, not good. I had a lot of fun with
0: this one. I've got absolutely no idea why people would say this movie's not good. Maybe because it comes off the back of Wrath of Khan. People don't give it, I think, the credit this, this actually deserved. And like I said, this is the complete first time I've seen it. This is Morgan hasn't seen. That is the point of this show. And I am here saying to you, history has treated The Search for Spock unfairly. Yeah because it's great. Sure, you know, Christopher Lloyd's not quite as charismatic as Ricardo Montalban as Khan, but he's performing his own villain in a perfect way. He's (laughs) having a blast with it every time. We should also actually mention the point of him being the villain is that he just wants the Genesis energy for himself. Yeah,
1: he wants to use it to, you know as a weapon
0: yeah you know further the might of the klingon empire or whatever yeah. it might be
1: yeah
0: but that, that so it's quite a a two-dimensional villain but it's yes when you when you're playing a two-dimensional villain you ham it up like this and it immediately becomes far better yeah because there's nothing worse than a boring two-dimensional villain and that ain't yeah. what you get with Christopher Lloyd. No,
1: he's having a blast, I love it. That
0: him. is not what you get um, with Christopher we do, Lloyd. We do we do lose all.
1: just to kind of wrap up before we get into uh the voyage home. We do yes. lose David here. David dies, but he does yes. get a noble death. Um but yeah, kind of just bummed that like no one really, you know, him and Carol and them kind of coming into the story together in Wrath of Khan. The the fact they don't really address like hey is someone going to tell Carol does Carol know like she she's not
0: mentioned <laughs> again is she
1: <laughs> no so like you don't see her being informed Kirk does have a moment of like you know oh for for my son David um but that's kind of it so you know a little bit more and they they do kind of reference go does come to Kirk and tell him. Um, You know, in A Voyage Home, I believe that, hey, you know, your son, he died protecting me and Spock and all of these things. And so there is a nice moment where they address it. But still, like, hey, like, I want to at least see that, you know, someone's consoling Carol. Someone has talked to her, told her what's going on. It
0: it is a perfectly (laughs) fair point. I've got no idea. Did they just forget about it? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I really have no idea. But I I was a big, big, big fan of this movie. And the strange thing is, if you would like to move on to now to talking about The Voyage Home, Janine, is that I was also led to believe The Voyage Home was a better movie than The Search for Spock. And it is in no way a better movie than The Search <laughs> for Spock.
1: I think it's just because they go somewhere they've never really
0: gone before. They do go they do um, boldly go where they've never gone before. Yes. 1986 in San Francisco. You know, yeah. that's a it's a nice, nice place to go. They meet a punk rocker on a Bus. which
1: i believe i saw i saw like a little kind of picture thing where that punk rocker comes back in the picard show or something. yes i
0: saw yeah. that myself <laughs> that's why i wanted to bring it up yeah <laughs> very good at paying homage to things aren't they star trek thing yeah uh, they're nice yes. at that they do a they do a less clunky job of it than star wars
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) but yeah i was just going oh remember this thing (laughs) so i'm excited for you to kind of pick up on these things and then see them kind of how they spin it in in the jj abrams movies because you can tell that there's some love there and care there and that he really pulled like even like the tiniest things so um
0: I know yeah. you have a great deal of love for those JJ Abrams movies. So I, I am, mean yeah, uh, there
1: are things there are things that are, you know, frustrating, you know, I think a lot of I think you already kind of know the issues that people probably have kind of talked about in about Into Darkness. Well, um, yeah, I
0: always I always knew that it was basically the promotion of Into Darkness was a big lie. Yeah. And it was <laughs> plainly obvious to everybody that benedict cumberbatch was playing Khan, and then wasn't wasn't a surprise to anybody when he was revealed to have been Khan. it's just weird it reminded me a lot of when um i I think it was about the same time that the hobbit movies were coming out and benedict cumberbatch obviously was in the hobbit movies he played smaug but he also played the necromancer and for those who hadn't you know kind of weren't familiar with The Lord of the Rings and, and The Hobbit, and maybe just watching The Hobbit, didn't realise the necromancer was actually Sauron. And we like, it was a similar situation of the, oh no, here's Benedict Cumberbatch playing the necromancer, who is not a very famous villain at all. Yeah. It's like, oh, he's done the exact same thing in now two pretty big two franchises yeah. around yeah. the same time. We're just like, oh, no, no, I'm not playing that really famous villain, but I yeah. am secretly. And then yeah. just annoy everybody by saying the word. Yeah, like
1: this, but it's generally generally with those films, there's a lot of fun things. So I, I like, when I first did this kind of whole big watch, I was obviously studying them. So yes. I, li- I went from these films right into the J.J. Abrams films. And so to kind of know those films better and then watch the early ones going back into the J.J. Abrams, like there's a lot of love there and a lot of fun things. So I-, I want you to really kind of pay attention to like a lot of kind of repetitive character stuff mm-hmm. and moments okay. that happen because they will come back in really fun ways, I think you- you'll you see later on. So,
0: Well, The Voyage Home is also known as the one with the whales.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Because it is the one with the whales. Now, I, I I do appreciate the Voyage Home a lot for doing something totally different with Star Trek. Yeah. Taking them back in time. putting them, them on the ground. Put it, <laughs> seeing them on the ground. You know, the Enterprise doesn't feature massively.
1: No, the Voyage Home. On, they they take, at the end of uh, Search for Spock, they are on Krooge's ship because they blew up the Enterprise yeah Um, with Klingon with uh, Krooge's Klingon soldiers they tricked them and so they are now on a ship which is named very kind of familiar
0: (laughs) yeah Uh, of of something
1: we covered on the main show
0: (laughs) oh you're gonna have to remind me now
1: they call it the bounty. The MS oh,
0: bounty. yes, of course, they do. Yes, yes so of they, course, they, they, they do.
1: rename Kruger's ship, which I think is what's called. The
0: I apologize. You, you're so <laughs> trivia focused in your mind, Jenny. You yes, right? These are just yes. things that. Fly over my head once I've watched them.
1: (laughs) We talked about mutiny on the bounty in great movie. Yes. And so they name it the bounty, I believe, after that same ship. So um yeah, so they are just they're not on the Enterprise, they're on Krugje's ship, but they still kind of, you know, he does his his, they're still kind of this organized crew. Uh, still you know following kirk loyally they all decide like nobly decide okay we're gonna go back and and take whatever punishment that starfleet chooses to give us for our actions we feel like we were right in our actions so we're just gonna go and take the brunt of whatever's coming at us so i love that they agree to go back um but then they get a, a a message saying it's not safe to come back there is a, a message and a thing that's happening that's killing you know other starfleet officers and ships which we do actually open this movie with madison claire as a starfleet captain yes. which in in the history of star trek makes her the first she's not even credited um she's the first female captain of a starfleet ship uh is her character at at the beginning of this film so yeah black female captain you know making history and i I love i love the late madge and claire so you know the queen of zamunda if you don't know her simba's mother if you don't you know recognize her voice uh yeah so she has an uncredited role as a captain whose ship does get taken out by this this thing that they're trying to figure out again kind of like the cloud in in in, in some ways, you There know. seems to
0: be an awful <laughs> there is an awful lot of mystery in these movies, I suppose. It's like yeah. what is this random thing that's happening that's killing other these other
1: ships, and we need to figure out we so we don't you can't no. come back because, yeah,
0: um, so. it's just it's made better when the question of what is this random thing that's killing these things that we have to figure out what it is is merged with a personal story. Yeah. When it's just what is this random thing that's killing all these things and we don't know what it is, let's find out what it is. You just get the first movie, which doesn't have, I mean, this is me saying this, doesn't have (laughs) enough story.
1: Yeah, someone who's the the visual guy. But the visuals aren't very interesting, so you, you kind of are like, okay, well, if I'm not getting my meat with these visuals, then maybe I'll get my potatoes with the story. and you
0: know. yeah it's uh, it's so it, and it's something they it's something like we said it's something they do simply just do better with as yeah. these movies as have, these have go along as yeah. these movies like have said, gone they on, yeah,
1: start to feel more cinematic as we as we get along, but yeah, I like them kind of coming down to earth and being in a different time in this kind of. Uh, exploration of, of of their advancements and, and seeing kind of how the world was, you know, and that was the world of that time. And so them yes. kind of poking fun at how advanced they are um, and just being kind of these people out of time, but in the other direction. As, yeah, like as a, a <laughs> as a
0: as a terrible joke, I am gonna say they're like a fish out of water, but the other way, and that was a joke because yeah, the, whales, the, the whales, the whales aren't actually fish. I know, stop hating me, biologists. Whales aren't actually fish. I know that. Yes.
1: Um, but, but it
0: is. It's a fish out of water story it, in in the opposite direction. Is that they're actually much more intelligent than everybody that that they're coming across, and yeah, have to I kind of hone it in. <laughs>
1: Going through the hospital and just
0: like, yes. oh, you have this
1: problem. Take this, and you'll be fine. So primitive. This is ridiculous.
0: <laughs> Stop. Bones basically goes through that hospital, calling everybody an idiot, and doing, yeah. oh, I'll just do it myself.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think is it is it Scotty goes to the. It's something like really advanced. It's actually is it now actually kind of like the the energy source they need or something like that that Scotty goes to and tries. Talking to the computer that he obviously can't talk to because it's a fairly basic '80s computer with with a big white box on it, he can't talk to it. Yeah. But then lately. he kind of comes up with a formula for something incredibly impressive, and I think the yeah. reason, the, the the kind of question is asked as aluminum. to yeah. well, the question is asked as to oh, uh, you know, we're back in time. You can't, I don't think you can change. Haven't we just changed the future there by giving that man that information? And Scotty's reasoning to it is just like, well, how don't we know that he didn't invent that? <laughs> it's just like, fair enough, Scotty. That makes sense. You know, he might have done yeah. There you go. I like yes. that. I like that but reasoning. I love him
1: trying to, hey, computer. <laughs> like, yes, hey, I love computer.
0: it. It's <laughs>
1: And then he like... It, <laughs> <laughs> and shake up hands in the mouse like like that's like a voice kind yeah, of yeah. They take hey, computer and it's like no, that's not how that works.
0: <laughs> they take the, I think Star Trek again, kind of unfairly and generally gets kind of seen as over serious. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in the sense that it is quite
1: thoughtful and deep well, yes. Yeah,
0: and it, and it is thoughtful, and it is deep, and it is.
1: But you do have some I fun. I do have intelligent levity, questions.
0: Yeah. There's a hell of a lot of fun. There's a hell of a lot of comedy in this movie, yeah. like we were talk, like we were just talking about with the Search for Spock. There's quite goofy moments in the Search yeah. for Spock that are in are in in lying with that movie's tone. That is not a tonal shift for that movie to all of a sudden become goofy. It yeah. is quite a goofy feeling movie, and it's consistently so. And this movie is a fish out of water comedy a lot of the time, and it's yeah. consistently so. And every little character again gets their or every crew member gets their fish out of the water oh, kind of moment. Yeah. None more so than I think it than Chekhov in this movie who yeah. actually really gets a subplot of his own, simply because it's 1986 and Americans hate Russians. Yeah. <laughs> and they're really suspicious of him when he's asking about nuclear weapons. Yes. <laughs> or, or a nuclear plant or whatever he's asking for. It's something yeah. nuclear. And the
1: fact that they, you know, they're not thinking about that in, in space and in
0: their future. No. Like... <laughs> they don't care at all. Spock trying to... I mean, Spock actually does the Vulcan grip on the punk guy on the bus and everybody applauds him, and I appreciate that because there's nothing more annoying, Janine, than loud music on a bus.
1: Yes, which also reminds me of we didn't talk about how Bones tried to do that. It, he, you did. Know, he did. It's, it's too lesser of an it didn't effect. Work. <laughs> didn't work. Only
0: Vulcans can do the Vulcan yes. shoulder even, grip Even
1: thing. if you have a, a Vulcan Katra in your body, you can't, yeah. you can't really do it. <laughs>
0: no. Kirk has to keep telling Spock to stop calling him Admiral because it sounds weird, Spock. Stop calling me. Yeah. Admiral. He's and like, he like <laughs> Spock looks like Danny LaRusso in a know, stupid like... little band, karate <laughs> bandana. He might as well been in Cobra Kai, for God's sake. he looks
1: like he's wearing a gi. Like... <laughs> he does.
0: He does. Why? Why does he look like he <laughs> yes. belongs in the Karate Kid? Or well, we have to hide Spock's Vulcaneers, put a weird he towel does. bandana thing I mean, on his head. For the time. For the time.
1: It works, I think.
0: Leonard Nemo looks like an idiot for most of this movie. (laughs) He should
1: have just been playing that you're the best.
0: He looks like a complete idiot. I am a man who would fight (laughs) Fight for for your your honor. honor. This is what Kirk sings to Spock.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) They're so in love with each other. I mean, let's be fair yeah
1: well we thought he was going to get a little bit of a romance kirk uh, with oh, that's uh, true actually with yeah. uh jillian um our our second seventh heaven uh american tv show alumni <laughs> in this franchise because decker was the dad yeah. of the show, Seventh heaven and she was the mom so we just need a you know a, a, a barry watson or a, a jessica biel <laughs> popping up and
0: then you know well, uh, the franchise at some point but uh who is to say but yeah she's the whale expert yes she loves the whales because apparently janine now was it william shatner who had the obsession with whales as well
1: (laughs) i do not know and i don't i don't think that you should say it like that
0: not that, no, no, not that like, but like, is he not like really into whales at one point? I don't know
1: because didn't Leonard Nimoy direct this film as well? Leonard so, Nimoy
0: did direct did... this movie as well, yes. But does Leonard Nimoy have a weird obsession? I don't I, know. I've I don't just know. always assumed.
1: Like, I never really quite understood why the, the message of the kind of villainous thing that's attacking people that they in- intercepted sounds like a whale, so they needed a whales to <laughs>
0: to talk communicate. The with only it. species that can communicate
1: <laughs> with, with this, this thing.
0: <laughs> again, this abstract kind of power thing is a whale. That is killing people <laughs> is a humpback whale that have been extinct in this world for centuries.
1: So they have to go back in time to find whales and that's where they, the time traveling comes in. <laughs> it's kind of silly
0: admittedly i never <laughs> knew time travel was even a thing in star trek
1: yeah and and to time travel for whales like that's what you're going back in
0: time for. i mean look it was clearly very important because ultimately the whales of course end up saving the day and yes. i just love i love the jokes that get made as well by the end oh well you know i've never beamed up this amount of Wait before," says Scotty. You know, we we can't just. It's not just about the whales, but we have to beam up the water as well. I don't know if the ship can handle it.
1: Yeah,
0: it's like okay. This is weird. I'm just imagining like a whole bunch of floating water and whales in it, flying through time and space. It's like Doctor Who, isn't it? Now, yeah, kind of. It's it's the most Doctor (laughs) Who movie we've got. To be fair, apart from the Doctor Who TV movie, this is by far the most Doctor yeah, Who feeling time movie. And, you've got. and
1: and doing little things that kind of change the course of history. Mm. Um, I, I love uh, when uh, the car almost hits Kirk, and he calls him a dumbass, and he says "double dumbass on you." That's I one love, of my favorite gifts to you.
0: I love so much. The fact that Spock cannot get to grips with language at all. Yeah. And he keeps saying the hell I did when he means yes I did. <laughs> <laughs> and things like that. And he keeps yeah. saying, The hell you are. Like Spock, that's not <laughs> and Kirk's basically reacting to it like that as well. He's like, Spock, that's not
1: that's
0: how, how it how you it. say it. That's just not how you... He, he can't get his head around it at yeah. all. I love it when Spock is the stupid one because it's so funny because he's so dry with it all. And yeah. it's the kind of humour that I obviously really like. And it, it made me laugh a great deal in this yeah. movie. It did. I think thematically, the voyage home, it does have, it does have, you know inklings of animal rights and that kind of stuff which obviously is rather positive and it, it does have an attitude of you know seemingly unimportant things can be very important
1: yeah
0: which is is again it's a nice it's a nice theme to have there was just I don't know if it was simply because I think it's a poor double feature with its predecessor as a movie to be honest with you. Yeah. Because I did watch them fairly back to back. Yeah. (laughs) And while The Search for Spock is a very good predecessor, you know, it's a very good uh, follow-up movie to its predecessor, while there's still inklings of rebirth aspect, of Genesis energy, of you know, kind of new life in the voyage home. Wrath of Khan and Search for Spock is kind of the culmination of a two-movie uh, two arc. Yeah. Really. And this kind of starts afresh. Like you said, you get you get a destroyed enterprise at the beginning. Yeah,
1: so the first part of this story... uh really is is inherently connected to yes. the Search for Spock. And then the second half just kind of goes off, does
0: yeah, its own it random ass thing. Completely does its own thing. And I appreciate it for doing that. I appreciate yeah. any major franchise that can boldly take such <laughs> a significant turn yeah. and actually pull it off because I do think it pulls it off. I think The Voyage Home is a good, good movie. I just didn't prefer it. To The Search for Spock I prefer The Search for Spock And that is I
1: agree, I agree. an
0: honest opinion Yeah, um, The Search for Spock Is the second best of the four First Star Trek movies I can categorically now say that okay. Or at least in my Opinion Whether it's this one or the motion picture I think there's two such Different movies It's difficult to compare the two of them Yeah but So I'm going to have to to kind of have a more serious thought about that one but i did like the voyage home for being very different yeah it just at times felt not like a star trek movie yeah (laughs) and felt more like some sort of spy movie (laughs) or where you know yeah they had like a full-on
1: mission it was kind Mm. of off starfleet books it was them kind of going rogue so i liked those kinds of elements of seeing them in a different unofficial kind of capacity um so that made it kind of fun and different and entertaining in the fact that it's just kind of something we hadn't seen up to that point but just kind of you're telling this really kind of linear story up to this point and then just kind of have this weird shift so that kind of takes away from just kind of the flow of what they were doing up to that point um but I, i i love the risk of them kind of just taking you know boldly going like we said yeah. that several times because they really kind of did that um of just kind of going with something different and and, and you know putting your the familiar people that you know so well in a specific space in, in, a, in an entirely different thing um and you have I to seem to have watched especially I... with characters that you kind of know so deeply up to a certain point you know
0: yeah i seem to have watched an awful lot of movies set in san francisco over the last month or so as well like I never thought San Francisco was a particularly yeah, a, a particularly kind of prolific city when it came to movies being set in it. But over the last month, I seem to have watched loads of movies set oh, in San Francisco. Wow. <laughs> for like this, for this show and for the main show and and other things as well, it yeah. just seems to be like where's all this San Francisco yeah, what's, what's still coming from? It must be coming from all me something. of maybe i mean I, I did once visit san francisco many many years ago now I, I always very much liked the place yeah i uh i would like to go back i, w- I would like to go back i just know it's a notoriously expensive city these days isn't yes. it yes yes very and uh that's slightly unfortunate for tourism reasons yes. <laughs> um but i would like to go back to san francisco if only to dress up as Spock from this movie who has the best costume out of anybody in these movies so far. The best. The best. <laughs> <laughs> he is. <laughs> he is. Oh, for God's sake. It's so stupid. Anyway. Yes. Oh, Janine, do we have anything else we would like to say about Star Trek for <laughs> the Voyage Home?
1: Um, just like them kind of coming back to kind of this expected uh you know stripping of all their titles and duties and things just yeah. for them to like no you're getting the enterprise back hey everything just wraps up in a nice tiny bow it does and as Kirk, well. you're getting a demotion to
0: captain yeah. it's such it's such a kind of weird ending where you know at this point at this point, this crew is kind of like a role crew. They just yeah. do whatever the hell they want, but they do it together for God's sake.
1: Yes, you and know. there's a lot of thought and respect in these decisions, and, and they really kind of take that point home of the needs of the many and really trying to figure things out and, and do what's best for the situation. Yeah. um, it, They so, always
0: yeah. think about what's... It, it's like the greater good, isn't it? Yeah, They always think about the greater good mm-hmm. rather than the immediate, good of themselves it's always about what is best for progression or what is best for kind of evolution as it were and and things like that and discovery which is why you know star trek is in essence an incredibly progressive franchise incredibly progressive on, on all fronts on kind of political fronts you know cultural fronts um interpersonal fronts it's always very very progressively focused and I kind of really appreciate that about it I think in many ways it's in many ways it's it's what again differentiates it from from Star Wars in the sense that Star Wars feels often rather traditionalist in the sense that you are you know these people are good and these people are good and these people are bad and these people are bad Star Wars as well is kind of all about lineages and things like that. And and people being children of other people. I mean, even for God's sake, the episode nine had really convoluted. You're the child of this person who was the child of this person. We all know how that turned out. And it's obsessed with this kind of somewhat traditionalist view of Blood lineages, yeah, and pure good and pure evil, and it works for Star Wars, it absolutely works for Star Wars. Obviously, it works for Star Wars, but it's much more simplistic than what's going on in Star Trek. But Star also, Trek, it has like, more deep questions, kind of both sides of the argument, kind of situations going on.
1: But anyone, and also anyone who's exploring these things and fighting these things and making these hard decisions in the the world of being in space, that's a choice. It's not about a lineage. Yes. It's no. not about a, a birthright or something that's in you or whatever. There's no it's, destiny. It's, it's, no, it's a choice that you're making to further your knowledge of these the, of the universe of wanting to yeah. understand and educate yourself and and, and you know you're going to fight things and you're going to you know have to make tough decisions and you, people are going to die and it's like dangerous and scary but you're making that choice it is not about any kind of predestined anything
0: no and i think that's that's what i really like about star trek and that's what's kind of been so ingrained into my mind now having, mm-hmm. you know, revisited Star Trek again and welcomed myself back into watching Star Trek again is this idea of this is very much about the things that happen are down to the choices you make. Mm-hmm. There is no, you know, be all and end all. This is what will happen regardless of what may happen. Yeah. It will end up like this because that is, it's, it's too... It's a simplistic way of thinking about things, and like I said, it, it works for the certain movies and the certain franchises. That that kind of attitude works for. That's the same kind of attitude that Lord of the Rings has.
1: Yeah,
0: you know, it's very much about lineage. It's very much about pure good and pure evil. A very much quite quite a traditionalist kind of thing. Yeah, Star Trek. You can tell it's just built from sixties counterculture. Because it's so super, we, the people, are masters of our own destiny. You can't tell me what to do because I'm going to do what I'm going to do because that's what I think is the right thing to do. So yeah. shut up, please. And that's yeah. <laughs> entirely what Star Trek is. Yeah. Yeah. It's why Disney could never purchase Star Trek and they went with Star Wars instead. Star Wars is much more simplistic as, as a as a franchise. A great franchise, obviously. But it's far more simplistic as a franchise than Star Trek is. You've, Star Trek is too... But I also think Star Trek is quite confused as a franchise with so many different things going on. But he is also far too interested in asking tough questions. Yeah that that such a big company like Disney wouldn't go anywhere near it, which is why lovely Paramount have it.
1: Yeah. And <laughs>
0: Paramount, who are so nearly out of business, but were so phenomenal in the heyday, as as we all know them to be from the main show and things like that.
1: Mission Impossible is the only thing keeping them alive.
0: This well, they still do have Star Trek. Isn't there supposed to be like yeah. a fourth? Yeah. T. J. Abrams?
1: And, yes, I think so. And Picard is doing really well, I think. And yeah. They have, uh, that other show. Um, Discovery.
0: Discovery. Star, Star mm-hmm. Trek Discovery.
1: Yeah, they have their own streaming service with a bunch of original shows and things yeah. like that. So, yeah, they're, they're but, doing yeah.
0: it. They're doing it. <laughs> I did, I did want to just kind of bring that point up as to what I'm very much kind of noticing from revisiting star trek now with this series it's seems very prevalent to me and I, I i just like that about it it's appreciation that i already had for star trek but it's also adding to it which yeah i is exactly what i was looking for from doing this series of morgan hasn't seen anyway so yay yay so you might end up like jillian who
1: leaves her her human regular life to, to go to into to Starfleet into the future. Exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. I would love that. <laughs> you know, I can I'm very good at doing the Vulcan salute. I can do it with both hands. Yeah, I can so. do it with one. So yeah, you you're one up on me with that. I'll be fine but, with all the Vulcans.
1: Yeah, it's fun revisiting. I haven't rewatched them in a really long time and um yeah, really excited for you to kind of get into this series since you haven't, you know, happened before this is a big one so it is really fun one. kind of getting into a franchise and kind of um really being able to talk through themes that we re- recognize that are kind of prevalent in all of these films and and yeah. really getting homey with these great characters and 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 you know wanting to see where they're going to go and what they're going to do with the same kind of characters week to
0: week as we discuss these movies so yeah, yeah. and you are right in seeing that as well they are Great characters.
1: Yeah. Truly great
0: characters. Next week, Janine, rather obviously, we have Star Trek 5 and Star Trek 6 as a double feature. That is Star Trek The Final Frontier and Star Trek The Undiscovered Country. The last two original cast movies where they're on their own. Yes. Because you get weird generations that merges them and the next generation. Yeah,
1: and I don't believe generations have spots everyone I think
0: Ooh, does it Spock, not?
1: And Spock and maybe Chekhov aren't in it
0: wow okay
1: yeah two two big two biggies are not in generations I believe wow. and I think it's Spock and Chekhov I want to say
0: okay well there we go Star Trek 5 the final frontier Star Trek 6 the undiscovered country coming next week mm-hmm. On Morgan Hasn't Seen, this has been The Search for Spock and The Voyage Home, also known as The Goofy, Hilarious One That We All Love and The One With The Whales. (laughs) Yes, Janine. Morgan Hasn't Seen is, of course, not the only show you can find on the It's a Wonderful podcast feed, though, is it? It is not. We
1: also have Machine Mondays every Monday with me, Janine the Machine, talking all things movie trivia. Schmodown. So yeah, watch the Schmodown on the Movie Trivia Schmodown YouTube channel. And then listen to Machine Mondays, where I break it all down, talk about things from my perspective as a competitor, as a fan. Uh, so yeah, Machine Mondays, every Monday. We also have... It's a Wonderful Podcast, our main show every Friday where we give love to classic films. Morgan is the constant host over there and I switch off co-hosting duties every other week with our other great co-host Nolan Dean. So yeah, if you want to gain some love for those classic films, discover old movies like we do every week, check out It's a Wonderful Podcast every Friday on the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Some great shows.
0: Perfect <laughs> We have already spoken about the Patreon Of course before but we also have the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel For you to go and subscribe to and ding your Notification bells on For all the watch alongs and the live discussions And the videos that we have there And have coming to there as well You can find the show On Twitter at It's a Wonderful One Find me on Twitter at The Purple Dawn With a 3 instead of the E and the Because Jenny.
1: 3 is the magic number
0: On Instagram at just the purple dawn. All your spockish things are where
1: you can find me at Janine Debean underscore on Twitter, Janine Debean on Instagram and TikTok. If you want to get any merch for any of our shows, you can find that at my T public shop at g9design.tpublic.com. And if you want to purchase any of my art in print form, you can find that at my big cartel shop, g9design.bigcartel.com.
0: Janine, I asked you this last week and it was hilarious. (laughs) So I will ask you it again. And do I hope it's equally as hilarious or actually accurate this week? I'm not sure. Let's wait until you actually do it. Janine, a random member of the crew of the Enterprise, please. Three, two, one. That was definitely... (laughs) Success, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Success, William <laughs> <laughs> Shatner. Bye. Bye.